again. This is AB and this is the Talk About God podcast. And um, please forgive any background noise or craziness today. I decided to bring you with me (laughs) while I do a little um, farm work because I like to be somewhat busy and not get bored. So um, not that this is me being bored, but anyway, got things to do today. So I have been in the book of Psalms and of course the youth group and I are kind of, well, the youth group is in Revelation, which is always wonderful and it's moderately entertaining how, uh, how scared we all get of the book of Revelation, but that's, you know, for a different day. Um, but I, in reading Psalms, I'm not all the way through. I think I'm on chapter 60 something and there's a lot of them, (laughs) but in the book of Psalms, I have noticed, um, of course, predominantly written by David, King David, and not at all shocking, just, you know, he's a man after God's own heart, right? Um, But it's more like the content of the book and like what he wrote in these songs and praises to God, knowing what David was going through, right? So there is a psalm, and I'm going to try and look it up for you while I'm doing this. Um, but like Psalm 40 and Psalm 43 both jumped out to me when reading through. Um, sorry, my app is not working properly. But regardless, so like this is during a time in David's life when he's legit on the run. Like a lot of the Psalms are David on the run or David just messed up and God's dealing with David. Um, There are some obviously that are David praising God for the successes in battle um, that he's had and the wins. But Psalm 40 goes like this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, none can compare with you. Were I, were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, or you did not desire. Right? This is Old Testament, right? Their whole system is built on sacrifice. Um, that's what makes you worthy, anyway. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is written, your law is within my heart. 
I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. Okay, this is just like 13 verses in. It goes on. But how is it that David won in a faith-based system on works of sacrifice? Like, you mess up, you sacrifice. I fix, Like, I accept you, I forgive you. You mess up, again, you sacrifice. I accept it, I forgive you. This is how you are forgiven. Um, in this culture, yet David is sitting here saying, you don't want my sacrifice. Like, he says here that, do not withhold your mercy from me. Troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. He is straight out like, dude, I'm sinful, Father. I am a utter wreck and only you can save me that's it there's nothing i can do i can do nothing to fix any of this only you can save me so save me lord save me please from i guess at this point itself um if that makes any sense but that's like that's where he's at and i just i find it interesting that david a jewish king who knows the law and what's written and what's required and all of those lovely things is the one to just straight out say that like I'm sinful and I've messed up like but again God loves him <laughs> like it's not like God goes yeah I know you suck <laughs> like God's with him going okay yeah you're sinful and you can't do it yourself let me help and I find that so incredibly comforting so incredibly comforting like I'm working on a chicken coop all by my lonesome and I have no experience building things <laughs> like these are freestanding structures it's the second one so maybe okay I have a tiny bit of experience this is my second um, freestanding structure to build Granted, this is a much larger scale than the last one I did. Um, it wasn't a chicken coop. It was just a little goat shed. But anyway, so here I am, zero experience, have no idea. And I am just praying my way through. I kind of go with the, well, Jesus was a carpenter. Surely, with his help, I will figure it out. Not to say that God's going to give me, like extra special abilities and whatever I still have to put in the effort I still have to put in the work it's not going to miraculously just poof into existence but nevertheless I pray <laughs> like I need help and God is a helper in all things like there's that whole pray without ceasing uh, I want to say it's in Corinthians I think pretty sure I don't know regardless 
And I think I miss out, I think we all miss out at times on the whole without ceasing part. It's not a pray when it's convenient. Pray when you want something. It's like pray in all things. Pray without ceasing. And I think that's something that David did. I think David was a man who, per the Psalms, he messed up. It's not that David never fell short. It's that David messed up and David cried out to God when he did. Asking to be forgiven by the only one who can. And I think that's got to it's got to matter. I feel like that that does matter. It stands for something. God is not going to just leave us and abandon us just because we're turds. I mean, we're ki- his children. And we're not going to get it right. Lord knows I don't. I don't feel like I really ever get it right. There are times when I feel like I'm what other people say I am, you know, like I'm cold and calculating and callous and all these attributes of one's personality that they never want. It's not things that you would desire somebody to call you or, you know, tribute to you. But life is life. My father knows me. He knows the heart of every matter. He also knows that I really hate leveling cinder blocks. (laughs) This is a mild form of torture. Pretty sure. It's very unpleasant in my book. But, alas, it is what it is. But anyway, I just hope we all find it in ourselves to remember that he doesn't want sacrifice. He wants obedience. And it's hard to be obedient. Even David struggled with obedience. I mean, hello, he was supposed to be at war and instead he ends up watching Bathsheba from the tower, like, rooftop. (laughs) Shouldn't have been doing that. But in the end, God forgives us. He's merciful. He's kind. He's loving. He is literally the perfect father. And... Even when we aren't the perfect kids. Because we never deserve it. That's, I think that's what gets me. I always think that I have to earn it. Right? I have to. It's my culture, I guess. That nothing's free and you gotta, you always gotta work for it. Like, you gotta earn that stuff. It's like, yeah, well, that sounds great. But, that's the joy of grace, right? And the beauty of it. Um, I think... I've said it once, and I'll say it a thousand different times, I'm sure. But, um, what is the band? Oh, my goodness. Reliant K. There we go. Reliant K has a wonderful song, and in it, it says that the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. Right? Because in life, we want everything to be fair. Like, I work hard. I earn what I earn, and it's owed to me because I worked hard, and I did a good job. And, you know, whatever. But grace is where it doesn't matter how good of a Christian you are, right? I could be the world's best Christian. I could check all the boxes. Not to say that I shouldn't try to be good. Because grace, grace is sufficient when you are not. But it doesn't give you a pass to not even try. 
like the Holy Spirit dwells within you and with the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, it motivates you into action, right? Like, I don't know. I want to be a blessing to the world because God has been such a blessing to me. And I want to show the world through my actions that he is real, he is active, he has not changed in all the centuries that we've been talking about him. He's the same yesterday as he is today as he will be tomorrow. But it also applies for when some baby Christian comes into my life who doesn't have it all together, right? Like, I don't know. I was a baby Christian once and I smoked cigarettes and I cussed and I had a tendency to drink too much and it didn't mean that I didn't know Jesus. It didn't mean that I loved God any less, but there was still, I was still waiting. I was a work in progress. There we go. That's how I'm going to put that. I was a work in progress. Didn't make me any less Christian. Didn't make me any less saved. Just simply a work in progress. And now I'm, I'm more holy. Okay? Everybody hates that, right? Hates the idea of being holy. I am more holy now than I ever was before. And it's not me like bragging. Um, it's just to tell you that Jesus works. Like he does work. He works hard to come in and help us clean up. It's like, it's like when your house is a wreck and Jesus is that loving person who comes in and is like, listen, I get that everything you've got going on here is a, it's an absolute mess. Like you're right. It is a complete and utter disaster in here, but I'm not going to judge you. If you still know if you're willing to accept me for who I am, if you're willing to know that I am merely here to help you, that I love you, that I would give anything for you, that I have given everything for you, then you and I together can start to work on this mess. And I'm not gonna rush you. Like, I'm not gonna come in and in day one say, hey, you gotta get this all cleaned up. No. And he's not gonna do it for you. And that's the fun part. He's not going to do it for you, but he's going to come alongside you and say, hey, incrementally, like, okay, this has got to go. First thing you started with, let's see, my mouth, um, my, my tongue, and the cursing that I loved to do, um, gossip, that, that went, then it was smoking and drinking. It was like this weird systematic weeding out of things in my life that I knew didn't glorify him. So that when somebody, like ironically enough, these teenagers look to me as like the authority, right? Like I know more than you do. Not that I'm rubbing it in, but like, let me help you. And the difference now is let me help you not because I have it all put together, but because I know the process that Jesus takes in order to help me get put together. Like, yeah, it looks great right now. Yeah, right now I look like I've got it all figured out, right? 
let me tell you, <laughs> like it's been a process. It's been a pruning. It's been painful at times. It's been so difficult. It's been easy at others. It has been a absolute process to get to where I'm at right now. So I can tell you with sincerity, I know how hard it is to quit smoking. Legitimately, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I know how hard it is to resist the temptation, even in my thoughts to this day. The word may not come out of my mouth, but the word will pop in my head. And that having to take your thoughts captive, oh, let me tell you how hard that is. Like the standing up to pressures around you that, um, I mean, can come at you from all directions. Oh, I don't know if I'm strong enough to do this. Um, the pressure to conform, to accept things that you find unacceptable. Um, the pressures to just, oh my gosh, just get over it. <laughs> you know, like, let it go. It's not that big of a deal. Um, things like that. The uh, stigma that always comes <laughs> when you start talking about God and not in a holier than thou, like, oh my gosh, way, just in a, this is legit my favorite topic. It's like, I love talking about God. I could not think of anything better to do as long as I live. Like right now, I am talking about God while doing physical labor. These are like, this is insane. But um, I love David for writing these Psalms because obviously God inspired, right? There's nothing in the Bible that's not inspired by God. But the fact of the matter is, it shows you that even in the worst of it, because David was pursued, like people were trying to kill David. I don't mean like pursued like, oh, some girl. No, David was pursued. His life was in danger multiple times. Like Saul or no, was it Saul? Yeah, King Saul pursues him because he knows that David is supposed to be the next king. He knows David should be king and he's jealous insanely. And his son, Jonathan, has become serious friends with David. He knows that he's a good and righteous man. Jonathan is a man of God, like always trying to protect him. Puts Jonathan in a really weird position because he's against his dad's wishes on killing David. And then he's also going and warning David about certain things to keep him safe. Like, it's just crazy. Then you have his own son, Alvin, trying to like take over his kingdom and ostracizing him and trying to kill him in order to take possession of everything, which is also so messed up. Um, so David wasn't a stranger to betrayal. His own, like being betrayed himself, but also like he betrayed Uriah when he stole his wife and then sent him to the front lines to die so that he could like clean the mess up, right? In a very ungodly way. Like, but regardless, even in all of that, every single step of the way, David is always praising the Lord. There are times that David laments. Um, in these Psalms, he straight out says that he's wrong and that his soul is cast down. And, you know, um, I found it so interesting because I see David say, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? And then I see Jesus say the same thing on the cross. And it's like, oh, wow. Like, 
this is a truly human emotion. This feeling of being forsaken by the God who loves you. And knowing how detrimental, like, you know, how awful it is to be forsaken by God. Like, that's one of the worst things that could ever happen in my entire <laughs> thought process. Like, that is the ultimate worst thing. That is me going to hell. I have been forsaken by God. He has left me. He has abandoned me. He has turned from me. And I am forsaken. And to know that David, the man after God's own heart, and Jesus, my own Lord, my Savior, the Son of God who came to earth to die for my sins, both at some point in their lives, both of them felt as though they were forsaken. And it wasn't true, right? There's the kicker. They felt, they said, my God, why have you forsaken me? But we can see in both their lives that at no point did God forsake them. They were not ever truly forsaken. He did not ever truly completely turn from them. He might have left them in that instance. He might have left them for that moment, but he never, never truly forsook them and turned away from them. And that I find so incredibly comforting that it's not even funny. It's like ridiculous, the insanity of it all. Um, but <laughs> I guess this is all to say, I highly recommend the book of Psalms like you should read it they're super short nice and easy you can read one at a time you don't even have to read a bunch of them i get in this habit where i get in and i start reading it and then i can't put it down um so i read multiple at a time that's not to like flex my my uh you know i'm a better christian than you muscle because i'm not i just love to read so there's that um but i will say just like it's worth it it's worth it to build a habit of getting in the word it's worth it to take the time to foster that and see it through it doesn't always go according to plan at least not for me there are seasons where I am really good and really diligent and there are others where I am not so much so there is that um, but it's worth it and it's not worth it just because oh my gosh it makes you feel good and you should do that it's worth it because you learn so much. Like, this is not the first time I've read any of the Psalms. Been there, done that. Um, I, I don't know how many times now. Like, not day one. Um, and there's always something new that you see. Like, it's so multifaceted. When I say that the Word is not just me, everyone, everyone says it. The Word is living and active. And it is 110%. No questions asked. The word is living. The word is active. And uh, you just have to get in it to see it. And so I, as always, encourage you, get in the word. <laughs> get in the word, get in the word, get in the word. I can't stress it enough. Um, find people <laughs> that you can talk to about things that you discover. It doesn't have to be this, like, life-altering, mind-blowing thing. But... It's always good to have friends that you can bounce things off of. And then be bold. Be brave enough to even carry conversations about it with people who do not at all agree. <laughs> people who do not at all get it. Um, people that think you're crazy about it but are willing. Like, I love having conversations with people who are willing to even 
Like, just talk it out. Like, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to say that I'm right. I may not be right as far as you're concerned. But at least to talk about it, have it out, like plant some seeds. And above all, at the end of the day, like, just be kind. And I don't mean like be kind as the world says that you should be kind because that makes you a good person. Like, be kind as in share the love of God. Like, you don't have to have nothing but Christian friends. Really, as a Christian, you should have some non-Christian friends too. Now, they're not going to be the iron that sharpens your iron, right? They're not going to be the people who you run to when you're struggling with your faith. Those are not the friends for that. But they are the friends that you love on, that you show that even in your struggle and even in your doubt, God is still good. God is still God. God is who he has always been. He never changes. And um, he shows up even in the midst of your storm. So as always, thank you so much for sticking it out with me. Um, we only got through like 13 verses of Psalm 40. I highly suggest you take it all the way through. It's only 17 verses long. And then Psalm 43 um, really hit me as well. Um, I'll give you just the very first of it because it's so good. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. So, well, let's just finish it because it's only one verse longer. Um, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. He's talking to himself. Like, why are you so downcast? Why are you so upset and disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. And I think that I need to tell myself that more often. Like, when I get upset and when I get discouraged and I feel lost like when I'm doing things like building a coop that I've never done before in my entire life and I remember that my Lord and Savior was a carpenter <laughs> on this planet plus he created everything like if he can create trees I think he can help me puzzle out how to build a coop and how to you know level cinder blocks and do all these things that are so foreign to me um, and just going to him prayerfully in all things and then reminding myself like when I get discouraged, like, that's on me. Like, what is my deal? Why? Like, I understand that you're upset. I understand that you're discouraged. Turn towards God. Focus on Him. Stop focusing on you so darn much. Focus on Him. And everything's going to work out the way He sees fit. I may not always agree with it. It may not be the way that I would plan. It may not be the way I would choose. But He always knows what's coming to the end of my life. He knows how my days will end. And he's already got it all figured out. So me sitting here stressing, worrying, fretting, and all of these things, legitimately useless. Useless time. There is no way worrying is ever going to get me a minute of my life back. It's useless. So, as always, like I said, get in the Word. Um, I highly recommend the book of Psalms. It's good. Um, God bless. And hopefully, I don't know, maybe you've learned something today. Maybe you haven't. 
Regardless, I hope that it encourages you. God bless.